Hey, everyone, welcome to Killer Serials Christmas Edition. Happy holidays. I'm Tony Jones. Oh, yeah. I'm Tony Jones. <laughs> Ryan Parker. And, and also joined by a whole bunch of construction workers upstairs. And. We'll go ahead and apologize for that if the noise bleeds over. And it sounds like your dog needs to get his uh, nails trimmed. Clicking yeah, we just clicking tr- we, we just trimmed the nails. You should have seen or it before. You, or you need to uh, carpet your entire apartment. No way. Gross. <laughs> hey, we are. This happy is Hanukkah. This is it. This is happy Hanukkah is exactly the thing you should be saying about this. Our final uh, podcast of 2016. The year that many people wish would go down in flames. There's a lot. Oh, it's that, going down in flames, buddy. There's a lot that is crappy about 2016. I agree, but I think you and I can say television is not one of those things that was crappy about 2016. Not at all. And I mean, before we get into the show that 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 we're wrapping up with, which I think you and I both think is one of the most profoundly theological shows around. Um, you know, we, we, we watched through some hits and some misses this year as we switched from a, a back-and-forth blog uh, dealio to, a, to an actual podcast. And I'd say you, you and I have some differences probably on what we really liked and didn't like so much. Yeah, and we both watched different things. I mean, I've, I've, I've probably watched a bit more stuff just because of where I am and what's going on in life. But I think we've we've both liked what we've covered together. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, I think it's been we don't set out that way, right? We kind of both go into each show we talk about blind, and I think thankfully we've both enjoyed what we've watched, even if we might have different opinions on episodes and storylines and things like that. For the whole, for the most part, we've made some good choices, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think looking back, I think you and I both agreed, if, if we go back, um, that Luke Cage was probably too long of a series. Started strong, kind of finished weak. Uh, Stranger Things, I really, it was kind of like some childish fun. I really liked it. Loved it. It yep. wasn't super deep, but it was super fun to watch, and I watched it with my kids, which was cool. Um, I absolutely loved Last Chance You. Yeah, that was a great one. Like, I, I'm looking forward to the next season of Last Chance You. Preacher, I think you liked a lot more than me. I think I did only because of my knowledge of the books, and I think you might like the second season better. I, th- I think okay. we'll, it'll pick up in the second season because we will have to go back to it. And then, um, you know, the path, man. You and I are head over heels with the path. And we're more of that to come. We're very much looking forward to doing Path Season 2. Going to start digging into that real soon. And then we started um, recording our podcasts with the People versus OJ, which you Historically and I good, right? Both loved. We, good. we both loved. It was so good. I thought yeah. it was acted well. And, and then we did, a, we did a little one-off earlier this month on Amanda Knox, the documentary on Netflix, which I think you and I both uh, really appreciated how that was done. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a lot of TV that I watched and there's a lot of critically acclaimed television that you watch that we just don't have time to get to and that uh, that everybody's already talking about. And it's not that people weren't talking about Stranger Things or Last Chance You, but I mean, good TV this year from, you know, Game of Thrones had another great season. 
Westworld was really strong. I think we we would have had a really good conversation about that, and we might come back to it in the new year. If yeah, I, and, and, I and, that for you, Tony, and a couple of shows that have kind of fallen off. Like for me, The Walking Dead is just not the season. The Walking Dead has been weak. I'm glad we're not talking about it because there's not not a lot there. We didn't do season two of Mr. Robot. I I I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see how long the network sticks with that show because. I tried watching season two on an airplane and watched the first two episodes and just thought, I don't care about any of these characters. There's no one I'm rooting for, you know. And that isn't that the key for so many. And and that isn't that what makes what the show we're talking about so good. I was just gonna say segue, segue, pivot to pivot to transparent season three, and we're talking which about which to me is one of the best shows of the, one of the best series. And seasons of a series of the year. For sure. We're talking, we talked last week about episodes one through five. Uh, we're talking this week about episodes six through ten. You know, looking back, maybe we should have done an episode by episode podcast on it, but here we are. Here's the thing I watched, I binged seasons two and three of Transparent, and I was texting you during it, and then, you know, like watched the last several episodes on an airplane. Because now you you know because I you can download things from Amazon onto your uh, onto your device now, and I was sitting in a plane weeping, weeping, because what happens at the end of the last episode, and then I'd like to just talk about that, and then we can backtrack to to what led up to it. What you find out is that the most self aware self-realized member of the Pfefferman family is the member who's been overlooked, who's been marginalized. Yeah, who's been mistreated. Who seems... Ignored, denigrated. Conventional in every way. Shelly, there's nothing radical about her life. She lives in a condo with a bunch of other Los Angeles, you know, retirees. Um, and talk about a character who has experienced the shit that life has to offer. Yeah. And has never spoken of it. Right. And she doesn't wear that on her shoulders like her children do. Like her children feel slighted by everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yet she's endured something that no one should have to experience. And she's borne that her whole life. She's been, as she tells Buzz, she says, I will not be lied to again. The, the, the t- and, she, and I'm not talking about yeah. you know Mort's transitioning, right? I mean the film does a, I mean the, the series does a really tasteful job of handling her sexual abuse as a teenager. Yeah, as that, a young teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an incredible. I mean, to to backtrack a little bit. First of all, back to Shelley. I'd say the fact that the toughness that Shelley shows when she kicks Buzz out, and Buzz has brought her so much joy. That's right. And, That's and has really been a redemptive relationship for her. But then she realizes that he's lying to her. And she's just like, That's it. I mean, she does not have a second thought. She's like, Pack your shit and get out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, when they go on the cruise in, in, in episode 10, and now here's an example. Right of a show that I mean, look, talking back to Luke Cage that had thirteen hour long episodes, and you're like, think of 
how tight the writing has to be in Transparent to have 10 half-hour episodes. And you know what I, I was – I t- took a note when I was watching the last three episodes yesterday, and I said – I don't. There's no wasted dialogue. Do you remember how I told you uh, that one of my criticisms of one of the final episodes of Luke Cage was like a black man in a hoodie? Who thought that would have been a hero? Yes. Like that was yeah. an actual line of dialogue in yeah. the series. Yeah. yeah. There's none of that, and there's it's nothing tight. remotely like that in That's Transparent. Right. That's right. It's very tight. It's very tight. Every episode's tight, and you know, here they are on the cruise ship, which Buzz had basically arranged using points that he'd gotten on Shelly's credit cards um, by buying all, himself all sorts of AV equipment. And she's like, screw it, I'm going. She gets, un, unbeknownst to her, she gets put like in a, a presidential suite and she gets, and there's a gay that who She gets with, a gay with her room and a piano. Which is incredible. And she's just like sick of her kid's shit. She kicks them out of her room. She's yeah. like, I don't want to share my free champagne with you. And and when when Allie wants to do a Seder, right? She's like, I don't have time for this. It's funny. And she's funny. been trying to do that all along. Yeah. All three seasons, she's trying to bring the family together. And finally, she says, even with something like as deep, uh, as emotional, as spiritual as the Seder, she's like, no, I've done. I've got this other thing I'm doing, and you're welcome to come watch or not. It is amazing to me that here this family takes yet another stab at a Jewish holy ritual on the ship. Do you, do you think – what's your reaction to that? Do you feel that that is a holy pursuit or do you think they're exploiting a religious ritual for their own insecurities or to meet their own – Needs. Well, there's some. We of could it. also blow that question up and say, "Is that not what participation in religion is anyway? That we all do that." Yeah, I, of course, there are some self-serving aspects to this family sitting down in the chapel of a cruise ship and and trying to, you know, come up with a seder, and they get real excited and they're trying to find what are we going to drink that's bitter and how, we got to make some salt water and you know where's the horseradish and where we need a a bone and you know to to put together the seder plate in some ways it's more it's it's very endearing and in other ways you think like why are you people co-opting something i mean i think this is what rabbi raquel when she finally snaps in the in the in the elementary school gym she snaps in there because she realizes yeah. These people are basically co-opting the Passover ritual with their blow-up furniture and their, you know, whatever it was, enchiladas or, you know. She screams at, yeah, she, uh, Raquel screams at Sarah and she says, what is spirituality? And, and Sarah, Sarah is like can't, speechless. Can't, yeah, but Raquel doesn't, also, and what's interesting is Raquel doesn't have a textbook answer either, but she knows, hey, it ain't this. Yeah, you know yeah. whatever this pursuit is is not is not that. Meanwhile, Josh goes to Overland Park, Kansas, which is funny because like I know a lot of youth ministry people from Overland Park, Kansas, and it is like the whitest, most evangelical Middle America place you can imagine. It's and that's is that why they? It's got to be. It's perfect. About Overland Park. It's the perfect spot. It's the perfect yeah. spot. It's it's a it's, suburb I, I, of Kansas I, City, a rich suburb. 
until the final episode on the cruise ship, those last three or four episodes, I started to find Josh to be one of the most compelling kind of emotionally wrenching characters in the show because of this journey that he's he on. He wants to move to Overland Park, Kansas. That dude is longing for connection. And buy a I, house. I he's like, it gives his, invites Jesus into his heart as his personal Lord and Savior. And when Colton says, I don't think you being here is the best thing. Colton's self-awareness. Wow. I think probably one of the, one of the most complex, richly drawn evangelical characters we've seen in a long time. He's not cliche, right? Right. He has this moment at the end where he realizes what's best for both him and Josh. Yeah. And when Josh realizes he's got to go, ah, oh. the whole last episode, I was like, you know, spoiler alert, people, you can go watch season three. The whole time, I was like, do not jump off this ship. Do not jump off the ship. Right. And 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 the closest the closest we come to that is Mora, like. It's just, we, we, it's such a cliffhanger with Mora at the end because she, she's, she can't get the vaginoplasty to, to, she can't surgically become a woman because her heart isn't strong enough to take that kind of a surgery. And, Which is a crazy, uh, I always hate using this word, but like, it's a crazy metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Like that tension between the spiritual and the emotional that she yeah. is so into it, but physically she can't do it. Like her that's, heart's that's, not her heart's not strong enough. It's it's I I think that's really I don't know. I admire that that setup. I think it's spiritually wrenching. But then she decides she's gonna throw away like her padding that gives her breasts and gives her a, around her ass and you know, she's going to throw all this in the ocean and say goodbye to it. And Allie's, it's, it, it's, now let's think about Allie. First no, no, of, let's come, let's finish more okay, of those. Okay, because okay. she's, she's releasing, seems to be releasing this part of herself. But I asked you before we started recording, do you think that that means she's finally at peace with herself? I just don't, this is what's so fascinating. It's such a cliffhanger that we're left on with Mora. Because she's has to give up the dream of surgery. She's now single because she's treated her girlfriend like such crap, Angelica Houston, who was, I thought, amazing, amazingly weird because she's a, you know, she's a weird person. We don't. I don't know when she if she's going to give up her idea of looking feminine. I don't know what what she's going to turn to, how she's going to live her life as a trans person um, in season four. I think that's going to be a big kind of part of Mora's journey in season four. So, Allie, you, were, you wanted to talk a bit about Allie because I have, there's a couple other characters I want to get to as well. So well, what, one, one, what I mean, one, interesting thing, one interesting thing is that the actress also plays Mort's mother, Let's talk about that great episode because that's episode, what is that, eight? Yeah. So this if, is an assignment. If I were a bell, it's set in Boyle Heights in 1958. And, and right in like the, uh, the threat of nuclear warfare and the atomic bomb and there's bomb shelters and Mort as a child is wearing his mother's nightgown and singing and dancing in the bomb shelter and everybody but the grandfather knows. Right. His mother's okay with it. 
or as okay as she can be with it. And and we know and we know that Mort that Mort's trans aunt slash uncle had been killed by the Nazis. We know that from season two. So this is a this is a thread that goes through their family. We could have spent an hour talking about that one episode and the imagery of of secrecy, of hiding, of false and real senses of security, yeah. fear, uh, this impending doom, the ways in which that every you know that every family was afraid of a of a nuclear bomb. But everybody's afraid of also these borders that what happens when somebody transcends that or transitions and how do we respond to that? Yeah. Like, is the is the grandfather's fear completely unfounded? Right. Oh, because look at the past. Look at what he knows from the past. What's That's happened right. to his own family. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it's profound. And then let's talk about Allie doing a couple things. One thing Allie does is she flies to Overland Park. She, like, ditches her own girlfriend and flies to Overland Park to basically grab Josh by the shoulders and shake him and go, like, no, dude, you don't get to be an evangelical Christian in Overland Park, Kansas. This is not going to solve your problems. I mean, it's interesting, Ryan, because I have a friend who is constantly talking about moving. And this friend has moved multiple times. And... Is it me that you're talking about? Often blames, often not you, often blames the location for the problems. And my, I repeatedly say, your problems aren't geographical. You are, your problems are going to come with you wherever you go. You need to solve these problems. So you're looking at who, Josh has the problem. Josh, Josh thinks if I run... I'm going to quit my career, I'm going to leave my crazy family, and I'm going to go uh, move to Overland Park, Kansas, where I can be with my son, and if, if that means I have to invite Jesus into my heart, then I'll do it. Josh seems to be the quintessential L.A. person who thinks a move and a job change will fix things. Yeah. Allie seems to be kind of a more universal picture or person who thinks like a new, like more relationships, right? Yeah, more yeah. relationally, relationships will change things. Maybe a closer relationship with Josh, or uh, you know, with her mentor, uh, wh- whoever. Uh, that that'll fix the the issues or the problems at hand for her. But Josh turns that back on her, right, on the cruise ship. Yeah, that's right. I mean that that uh, Allie has become a little too dependent on Josh, and he basically, you know. He Allie, says, I'm, you're my sister, you know, let's yeah. respect gets, those boundaries. Yeah, Allie gets called out, and, and he's basically like, you don't love your girlfriend. Like, you don't love your professor. You're trying to, you want to break up with her, but instead, you just keep running away and, you know, becoming too connected to me. It's, it, I think that's fascinating, and I think that Allie, play, Allie does, is running away from herself in continuing to try to, you know, kind of rescue other people. And she becomes, uh, um, she does the same thing with Sarah uh, over this, trying to put on this Seder dinner. Like they, the two of them start running around and, and you know, collecting stuff and trying to put, put on this Seder dinner. So who else did you want to talk about before we wrap well, her up? 
one of the one of the characters that I was slightly disappointed with because it it was such a strong presence throughout most of the series is Rabbi Raquel, right? Yeah. yeah. And we see her in episode nine. We see her enter the mikvah. Yes. And we never see her again for the rest of the series. Right. Yeah. I. Why is that? Like, what is? I I wanted more of her. Yeah. I have read a couple things of that have been recaps of this season. You know, this this television show is like being covered by the New York Times and um, Slate and like people. New Yorker, everybody. Yeah, people yeah, are paying attention to this, but. As we've said, as I said last week, that's also part of the problem. Is it's it's a very elitist, very liberal show, very libertine show, and it's being covered by all the highfalutin liberal media. You know, it's not being covered by the including killer serials. Yeah, it's not being it's not being covered by the Topeka Sun. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I did see a, a few people grieve the lack of Rabbi Raquel's presence in the latter half of this season and worry that she won't be part of season four because she's such, no. she's such Unacceptable. A, a, a morally and religiously grounding force for this family. You know, she, she called Josh out and finally left him. She called Sarah out. Um, and she just doesn't put up with the family's shenanigans really. So I, I do hope Rabbi Raquel comes back. And I, I think, you know, Colton, Colton kind of becomes a bit of a rabbi figure to Josh and basically says, go home. You shouldn't be here. This isn't good for you. You, don't, you, don't, mean this. you yeah. don't mean this. You know? And Raquel and Colton always had kind of a, a connection. Good yeah. A connection. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Maybe a shared spirituality. Yeah. Maybe a, a shared awareness of... <laughs> How messed up this family is. I mean, the two the two most overtly um, uh, religious people in the show. He's a he's a teenage preacher, and she's a rabbi, young rabbi, and uh, they really, yeah, they really become. I think, in some ways, two poles that are, and this family is in between that just bouncing around with kind of like no moral grounding. So you've hit on the fact that there's going to be a season four. Let's make some predictions. Oh, man. Shelly's entertaining on a cruise ship. That better happen the whole season. <laughs> Her and Trevor take their show on the open waters. I was watching so closely to see how the family would respond to Shelly's one-woman show. And it's true. What do you, what, what, what's, what's her uh, accompanist name? Josh, you said? Trevor. 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 Who's Trevor. Who is Trevor? The gay who comes with her room. Who comes with the room. <laughs> Here's what's shocking. This guy, Trevor, is so supportive of her. He's the most supportive character in three seasons we've seen of Shelley. And he meets her, and she, she be, he, he, he's like her pastor, you know? And he becomes her piano accompanist. And there's a cut to him right when she finishes singing. He is... He is exuberant at her triumph. And her family members stand up too, and I was closely watching to see how they would respond to Shelley's um, triumph. And they don't... I mean, there's something going on with Mora. There's something in, going on inside of Mora when Shelley 
has this moment, and I couldn't quite tell what it was because Jeffrey Tambor is such an incredible actor, and I think he acted that closing scene so subtly. What I know he was happy for Shelley, but was he also aware that she was singing about him, or what? Or was she? I mean, it's yeah. that's one of the great things about this final that final scene. Nothing about. Uh, anything about the show would lead anybody to think this. And it it's just my own, I don't know, let's just call it stupidity when I was watching it. But when it opened up on the cruise ship, I just thought, what a what a great setting for this. The family's forced to be together, oh, yeah. the way they're together. And then I was also thinking, like, when, when Shelly walks into that room, that that's her room, and it's opulence, and it's, and it's, you know, clean and beautiful, and Trevor shows up. And I'm like, is this... Is this an afterlife? Is this her? Has something happened that I missed? And because she's on a different level, there are these levels to the ships and the family stuck together room room to room that they don't really want to be together and she's above all these other people. That's interesting. But then of course it's not and the show plays out and it's a it's a very rich as you said ending uh leaving kind of a, a door wide open to see how the family responds, what Shelley does. Yeah. Yeah, because Sarah's got to find a new dominatrix right yeah yeah Allie got yep. to stay with her with her lover he's got to dump her professor uh what the hell is josh gonna do Who and knows? what's more i mean so there are there are the vista is just so yeah wide. yeah is, is are we done with colton is colton out of the picture now for good is rabbi raquel gonna come back some of these supporting met cast members it'll be interesting to see if they're woven in if will we ever see buzz again um I uh, hope not. That guy can just go. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he perfect. Such a but, he, schmuck. but he was also perfect. Yeah, perfectly cast. Perfectly I mean, cast. The whole thing. I yeah. mean, the ponytail, and, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great it's, show, and it's just right. People are going to have a lot of time on their hands, hopefully, over these next couple of weeks with things winding down for the year. It's definitely one that that deserves binge watching. And if you hadn't watched seasons one and two, I mean. Just get it, watch the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. So, okay, what are you going to watch over? I, I'm going to Australia. You're going to Europe. What What are you going to watch over the next couple of weeks? Well, other than other than bad and classic Christmas movies, uh, which Amy and I always do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I have just started and will finish the OA, and uh, which is a which is a fantastic mysterious show. And if the pilot doesn't suck you in, I don't know what will. It's kind of a new sci-fi show uh, written by Britt Marling, who's kind of a, a kind of a cult favorite actor and writer. Uh-huh. Um, it's her new project. It's very mysterious. I'm three episodes in and not completely sure where it's going, but I love it. And then I think Amy and I are going to binge on the flight over and back The Crown on oh, Netflix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which a couple people I've talked to really like. Some people don't, but I think... We'll we'll take a shot on that. Yeah, I've heard that's kind of a fluff one. That, but you know, kind of a Downton Abbey type of deal. Uh, kind of a, a feel good soap opera with a lot of, you know, glamour around it. So yeah, I might try to crown. Files too. So the whole the whole British thing and yeah, you know, that, that I may part. Tr- I may try the Crown. Um, and I may give. Should another- definitely try the OA. You should check that yeah. out, or okay. you should go back and try to watch Westworld. Yeah, I could. Like, I need to gift you the first season. On on iTunes, so you can yeah, watch because, it. Yeah, because the problem with Westworld is I can't download it from HBO, but on Netflix I can download The Crown or um, 
and what else? There was one other thing I was thinking about watching. So, yeah, oh, Black Mirror. I might give that another try, you know, and watch that on the plane to Australia and back. So, Yeah, you'll definitely knock that one out, especially if you just skip to the new season. Cool. All right, man. Well, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays, everybody. And to all of our listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in the new year with God knows what. Are we going to be here in the new year? More killer cereals. That's for sure. Yep. All right.